Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the JRPG Report. This is episode 216, and my name is Dalton Suter. And you know what, man? It's been a pretty it's pretty decent week for some news. I mean, uh, I guess depending on uh, what you consider decent, but uh, I hope that you all will enjoy it. And uh, yeah, thank you for joining me again on another wonderful week, and let's, uh, let's get into it. I'm going to start off with... You know, you guys know I love Neptunia and I love that series. And as of today, available on Steam and I believe it is also available th- uh, on the consoles as well, is Neptunia X Sinren Kagura Ninja Wars. And it looks like a fun action RPG. Um, if that's your kind of thing, I know some people are more for the turn based stuff. And I think the mainline Neptunia series would be more your up your alley but this game looks really fun and it looks really flashy if you like uh seeing big numbers and lots of colors and fighting going on it it looks like a, you know maybe check this game out it might be for you i'm just happy that they uh, they continue to release games in the uh, neptunia vein because they're just hilarious hilarious series uh rolling on we have some information coming out of nis america um, NIS America is tapping into its catalog once again. The NIS Classics Volume 2 is about to appear and give Nintendo Switch and PC owners a chance to play Makai Kingdom and ZHP Unlosing Ranger vs. Dark Death Evil Man. That is a tremendous name. ZHP Unlosing Ranger vs. Dark Death Evil Man. I want to play that solely based on the name. <laughs> They're two older games, though in the case of Makai Kingdom, there are also new to people outside Japan elements. What do you need to know? Let's go over everything to do with the collection. So what is Makai Kingdom all about? Overlord Zeta is an idiot. To keep himself from destroying his netherworld, he decides to get rid of prophetic sacred tome that foretold the disaster. In doing so, he set the events in motion, which means he has to confine himself to the book to restore it. Zeta goes off on a quest to restore his netherworld and himself, and in doing so, basically does a lot of growing up. Like many of the early NIS games, this is a tactical RPG. However, it doesn't play out on a grid like many of the other titles. Instead, characters have a sphere of movement. Once Zeta summons them, they can move about the field, they can fight foes, collect items to send to the hub to make new characters, or ride around in vehicles to travel further and do more damage. Facilities are also an important part of building up your party. In addition to serving functions on the map, like letting you buy items, they can do things like boost your character's attack or earned experience. Also, reincarnation is a big deal, and a means of building up your party members so that they can dish out big number damage NIS strategy games are known for. So what is ZHP about? The world is about to end, because Dark Death Evil Man, a major villain, is going to kidnap and destroy the superpowered Super Baby. The only person who can stop him is Unlosing Ranger. <laughs> However, he got run over by a car while racing to make it to the final battle. <laughs> In his final moments, he passed on his powers and role to an unassuming bystander that showed up to the duel. Dark Death Evil Man curb stomps the new Unlosing Ranger. Instead of dying, the new hero is taken to a hero training facility above the alternate reality Bizarro Earth. 
There, the player will go through randomized roguelike dungeons to become strong enough to save the day. Like other mystery dungeon roguelikes, players follow the new Unlosing Ranger into various random labyrinths, each one allowing folks to increase their powers through body modifications, facilities, and total level count. Body modifications let you get the items and place them on a grid to build up your Unlosing Ranger's power. This will also change how your avatar looks. That's always a detail that I am super happy with. Like, anytime a game allows you to kind of change the way your character looks, I love it. I don't know why, but it's like a feature that just, I'm always just like, yeah, I can look cool (laughs) or silly, depending on my mood. Anywho, the facilities you build, which are unlocked by accomplishing certain goals and, and dying, can unlock new abilities. So if you die three times, you unlock the delivery ability that allows you to send items to storage while in a dungeon to preserve items you'd otherwise lose by dying. Uh... Getting a caravan by getting to level 3 will allow you to access other facilities in the hub or save. And the total level is an overall stat building system that takes into account levels you earned before dying or finishing the dungeon and adding them to the Unlosing Rangers level 1 foundation. So even though you may die or finish an area and be at level 1 next time, your new level 1 will be stronger as the result. Now, I know people are asking, like, why is, why is this, why are these two games lumped together? Um, to be honest... I'm surprised Makai Kingdom got the bundled together with ZHP rather than Phantom Brave for NIS Classics Volume 2. Uh, that's because both Makai Kingdom and Phantom Brave have a lot in common. Uh, both feature a system in which characters move in a certain range rather than on a grid. Each one involves a sort of confining mechanic, except here you're taking items in the hub and making a character based on that. Which means it is extraordinarily weird to package it with a roguelike like ZHP. I think this is just the uh, the person who wrote the article's opinion now, but um, Makai Kingdom first appeared on the PS2 in 2005. ZHP showed up on the PSP in 2010. The Makai Kingdom Portable, which was released, is the based on, uh, oh, which this release is based on, as it has the Peta storyline, did show up on the PSP in Japan in 2011. So maybe that's why. Maybe they're just uh, grouping them together because they're PSP games. But... Uh, what makes these new versions special is uh, this time, this is the first time that both games appeared on platforms other than their original ones worldwide. Uh, Makai Kingdom only released on the PS2 everywhere. Um, the PSP port didn't get a localization. As for ZHP, it's previously only released on the PSP. So in both instances, NIS Classics Volume 2 is bringing NISA games that didn't get ported to death over to the Switch and PC. And I don't know, man, that's, that's, that's a pretty cool pretty cool deal honestly i uh i look forward to it at least <laughs> uh makai kingdom is the real selling point here uh when it appeared on the psp in japan it included a new storyline called peta mode and thinking of it as an alternate telling of what might have been uh we've met her in localized games before she shows up in disguise 4 disguise 5 and disguise d2 and now we're finally seeing her origin story so yeah that's something that you could uh you could check out there um and then Speaking of the NIS Classics, um, they also announced the NIS Classics Volume 3, uh, La Pucella, or La Pucelle, I don't really know how to say that, and uh, Ra- Rhapsody, a musical adventure, which I have heard so much good about. Um, NIS America announced a release date for NIS Classics Volume 3, the latest volume of games that includes uh, La-, La Pucella, Ragnarok, and Rhapsody, a musical adventure. People will be able to get it in North America first on August 30th, 2022. And a few days later, it will appear in Europe on September 2nd, 2022. Finally, on September 9th, 2022, people in Australia and New Zealand will be able to pick it up. 
As a reminder, both these titles are strategy games. In the case of La Pucella, it is the PSP version with extra content that never appeared outside of Japan. In addition to the main game, people are able to recruit crossover characters like Disgaea's Laharl, Fulon, Et- Etna, and Apprini, or Disgaea 2 and Rhapsody characters like Cornet and Rosalind. It also added a new Overlord prior story. As for Rhapsody, a musical adventure, this is the PS1 version of the game. As a reminder, the DS port features a turn-based battle system instead of one with strategic elements. This one will have optional CRT filters. Yeah, so that will be that'll be super cool, man. There also will be a Switch physical limited edition. So if that's your thing, check that out. Up next, there is a new trailer released for Soul Hackers 2 showing off the new character Saizo and some gameplay. Uh, Atlas has released a new Soul, Hack- Soul Hackers 2 trailer which takes a look at several new characters and gameplay. Uh, the, the trailer itself focuses on Saizo, an entirely new character in Soul Hackers 2, and his involvement in the narrative. Since Saizo takes center stage, the gameplay is shown, and the trailer features how some of his skills will work, and it also provides a look and general feel. Uh, Atlas has also updated the official Soul Hackers 2 website to include information about Saizo. Uh, Saizo is a freelance devil summoner and is described as being something of a romantic. He is the type of person that is able to read the room and often steps in whenever Ringo and Milady end up butting heads. Saizo uses a Tommy gun as his weapon and is extremely dexterous. His primary focus in combat is the use of support and recovery skills. And I retweeted this, so if you'd like to check out this trailer for yourself, it is on our Twitter page. And I'm sure it is also on Atlas's Twitter page. Um, just a, a, an update with the uh, the Summer Games Fest is going to be held this year uh, in June. It looks like it's going to be kicking off and uh, kicking off on June 9th. And I am just hoping that we get some good releases out of this. You know, I know that there is some you know speculation on when like Final Fantasy 16 is going to come out or when we're going to get the next trailer for it. And I think that that might be a really good time is the Summer Games Fest. And maybe even some more information on some of these other games that might be uh, lurking in the shadows. You know, Dragon Quest Twelve. Um, I I don't know. I just I just think, I hope that uh, something good can maybe come out of the Summer Games Fest. So we'll keep an ear out for that. And let's see. Oh, if you're a fan of the Dusk Diver series um, and you don't play on PC, uh, Dusk Diver Two is now available for wishlist on the PlayStation Store. I believe that PlayStation has just implemented like a new wishlist system, kind of like Steam has. And Dusk Diver 2 is up there. So that will be coming to PlayStation soon. Um, I've heard people basically call Dusk Diver um, a Warriors game, like a Dynasty Warriors game meets Persona. And that sounds pretty cool to me, I'm just saying. I, I own the first Dusk Diver. I uh, have not gotten around to it though, because, you know, backlogs and such. But... It, it looks aesthetically really, really cool. And, you know, if that's, if that's your thing, I, I recommend you check it out. To keep things rolling here, we, we have some new Xenoblade Chronicles 3 info with the teaser that features Ethel. The newest trailer for Xenoblade Chronicles 3 shows a cutscene of Ethel. Nintendo of America shared the short clip through its Twitter account. As it's only 30 seconds long, it's a little difficult to grasp the full context, but it seems that Ethel will appear as an opponent in the game. Ethel will debut in Xenoblade Chronicles 3, and according to the tweet from Nintendo, Noah's team respected Ethel after Ethel saved them. However, it seems that now she views them as enemies. Indeed, though, she does seem 
to rescue them in this clip, she does not seem to be a friendly. In the trailer, Ethel's eyes are both the same color, though when Nintendo first teased Ethel in late April 2022, screenshots showed her with one red eye. Her hair is also shorter than the character art, and she is not wearing her usual outfit. And you can check out the trailer for this if you're interested in the uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 3, which I'm sure most of you are, on the Nintendo America official Twitter. Up next, just uh, an impressive number uh, that I, I, I saw here. Pokemon Legends Arcus reaches 12.64 million units were worldwide sold. That is a lot. That is a lot. Sales for Pokemon Legend Arcus have reached 12.64 million units worldwide, and this includes digital and physical sales of the title. This information comes from a Nintendo Financial Report, which details the sale history of the title, and it goes to, to mention that Pokemon Legends Arcus sold over 11.4 million copies worldwide with a, within a 10-week period. Wow. In February 2021, Nintendo also shared the sales for the game within its first week had sit had it sitting at 6.5 million units sold. Phew. Wow. Yeah, people really love some Pokemon, man. Me included. <laughs> Pokemon Legends Arcus is a new take on the traditional Pokemon formula. Players explore zones and can capture Pokemon directly by throwing Pokeballs at them. Uh, battles still exist in a similar capacity, but players are also tasked with avoiding the dangerous attacks when approaching wild Pokemon. In addition, it features crafting mechanics that allows players to create and use any resource, um, including Pokeballs and other consumables. Yeah, and uh, obviously Pokemon Legends Arcus is available worldwide on the Nintendo Switch. And if if you've kind of gotten uh, tired of the same old, same old with the Pokemon games, I really recommend you check this one out. It's a lot different. Um, there's a lot more to it and it's a, it's a breath of fresh air into a series that hasn't really changed its gameplay style in a long time in some slightly, uh, slightly upsetting news. Although this is obviously inevitable, um, for PS3 and Vita owners, um, PS3 and Vita new updates disable PSN account management. The PlayStation 3 and PlayStation Vita received a new system software update that further reduced online account features. The updates brought the PS3 and Vita versions up to 4.89 and 3.74 respectively. However, these new versions lack several features related to the PSN account management. The new system updates removed the ability to create and manage PlayStation Network accounts from your PS3 and Vita. And the updates also added a compulsory device password input for users to sign into the PlayStation Network. In the patch, Sony recommends that the legacy console users use a PC or mobile device to manage their accounts. It's newer consoles, the PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5, Will also obviously still retain their account management features. Uh, when Sony had originally like planned to completely shut down the PS3 and Vita's digital storefronts in 2021, however, it reversed the decision after receiving user feedback, and the PS3 and Vita stores are still available as of this recording. Regardless of the above, the company is still gradually reducing features on the legacy consoles. Um, it has removed PayPal and credit card payment methods, and I know that... Uh, there's also there was also like the the PlayStation Network bug that caused game licenses to expire <laughs> because it's like it just reverts the thing to 1970 or something like that. I I wish I hope that they sorted that out at least um I mean personally my PS3 um I put custom firmware on it so I never had to worry about this type of stuff and I backed all my games up so really I like I have no issue um but I do feel for the the people who haven't done that and it kind of it kind of sucks because I, I always wanted a Vita. But uh, maybe I'll get one, and I'll just turn it into like a uh, a handheld emulation station or something. I don't know. One day, one day. 
in some other uh, kind of sad news, Tales of Luminaria to end service in July. Bandai Namco has announced that Tales of Luminaria will end service on July 20th, 2022. The developers thanked players for their time spent with the mobile title. Paid currency purchases will still be will be suspending starting June 7th, 2022. However, consumers can use any paid currency they've acquired until the end of the service. Additionally, the developers are considering creating a quote-unquote digital archive of sorts where player can look at costumes, illustrations, and designs. More information about this will appear sometime in the future. The developer also released a statement concerning the continuation of the story. While the main story will not see a conclusion and some characters will not be receiving a second episode, the developers will release a special episode instead. Episode Final is a story that will take place before the events that occurred in the Tales of Luminaria anime, Tales of Luminaria Fateful Crossroad. The title was released for mobile devices on November 4th, 2021. It featured a story centering on 21 different characters detailing the path of their lives and how they would eventually intersect. Subsequent updates added quality of life features to the game, such as waste equipment slots uh, for attachments and the Japanese and English dual audio options. Now, that's kind of surprising to me. This game came out November 2021 and it's ending July 2022. That seems very strange to me. Maybe it, maybe the game wasn't doing well, but I, I, from everything I've read about this game, it was fun. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Let's see. Up next, we got some uh, some Monster Hunter Rise news, as we seem to be getting a lot of Monster Hunter Rise news uh, lately. If you guys are getting tired of it, please, by all means, let me know. <laughs> Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak follower quests let you hunt with NPCs. Capcom shared more info about Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak during a Monster Hunter Digital event. This included the reveal of two new subspecies of monsters and the return of the Seragus. However, one of the more notable additions in Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak is the ability to take NPCs on single-player hunts known as follower quests. The developers revealed that taking on single-player with NPCs will also yield unique rewards. Additionally, certain Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak NPCs will be available depending on the region you are hunting in for the follower quest. For example, Hinoa and Minoto will be able to accompany hunters while they are pursuing monsters in the Kimura region for theirs. NPCs that will accompany the players on them in the Elgato, the new region in the Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak, will include Fiorain, Luchiga, Jay, Admiral Gallius, and Master Arlo. More characters will become available to select as you progress through the game, and each of these NPCs will have specific behaviors and unique abilities. One of these abilities were shown during the Monster Hunter Digital event, which included a character laying a trap. Also, every character will have their own weapon specialty. An archived version of the broadcast is immediately available to watch, and the follow request segments begin at about 37 minutes. Uh, Monster Hunter Rise is available for the PC and Nintendo Switch, and Sunbreak will release for the PC and Switch on June 30th, 2022. A, dig a digital deluxe edition is available for pre-order, and Capcom has shared the prerequisites required in order to access content in the expansion. Up next, Sword and Fairy 7 coming to PS5 and PS4 this summer, with a physical edition also available in Japan and Asia. So Softstar Technology out of Beijing will release Action RPG Sword and Fairy 7 for PlayStation 5 and PlayStation 4 this summer worldwide for $29.99 under the name Sword and Fairy Together Forever, the developer announced. It will support Mandarin voiceover with English, Japanese, traditional Chinese, and simplified Chinese subtitle options. 
It will be published by East Asia Soft in North America and Europe and Game Source Entertainment in Japan and Asia. Sword and Fairy 7 first launched for PC via Steam on October 21st, 2021. And uh, a friend of the show, Hans, actually shared some pictures with me of this game when he first got it. And my goodness, is this game pretty. At least on PC. I'm sure it'll look great on the consoles as well. But as a PC game, I was blown away by how pretty the visuals were at these, these areas that Hans was in. So shout out to Hans. Uh, the new console version of the game will feature four exclusive outfits and a weapon. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, and a weapon appearance not available in the original PC release. Physical editions are also planned for release worldwide. Here is an overview of the game. Sword and Fairy Seven is an action role-playing game uh, developed by Softstar Technology. The game starts with a story among three clans: human, deity, and demon. It brings rich storylines as well as improves the battle system compared with its previous episodes. Third-person real-time action mode is being used to replace the traditional turn-based battles. More fun and excitements will be brought to the players with smooth combat experience. This game will come at you with a boom of traditional oriental aesthetic. Get ready for the adventure in this beautiful oriental world. I, I, I don't know. I love like ancient lore and old stories and stuff, no matter where it's from. And specifically, like the Asian culture has a lot of cool stories. And I, I know it may be slightly cliche, but like Romance of the Three Kingdoms is wonderful. That's that is good stuff, man. You know, and, and that's this half real, half not real. You know what I'm saying? So like I just I have fiction, have nonfiction. So I'm really looking for more things like that to dive into. So if anybody has any recommendations, please, by all means, uh, send them to me on Twitter at JRPG report, uh, find me on Facebook, you know, JRPG report on Facebook or, uh, join the Patreon JRPG report, uh, patreon.com slash JRPG report. And, uh, $1 or I think it's $2. Yeah. $2 to get you into the, uh, the discord and tell me about it there. Any, any way you can get a hold of me at super nerd Dalton on Twitter. Anyway, Give me, give me games with good uh, story and mythology based in you know real life mythology and stuff. Like, give, give me it all. I want it, please, please. <laughs> but yes. Uh, anyways, back to back to what I was saying. <laughs> After that little tangent I had, uh, the key features of the game is other than the previous episodes, it's this time's real time fighting is adopted, and players can enter the battle anytime. Plus, your player can, your control can be switched as anytime as you wish. Oh, okay, I wonder if it's more like a, an ease-style combat now. It looks like there are also uh, multiple skills to make the battle smoother than ever. You can pet your spirits. Oh, no, that I like that. You can also feed them. That's cool. And there's many games. A uh, card game and others. Okay, so it looks like they haven't released all the information in this article. But anyways, um, if this sounds up your alley, I recommend it. It's on my Steam wish list. I'm going to pick this up at some point. I have Sword and Fairy 6. Uh, which I've been wanting to dive into. So I'm, after reading this, I might dive in that, that tonight. Uh, yeah. F- some news about Final Fantasy 16. The latest trailer is already complete. Uh, the latest trailer for Final Fantasy 16 is already complete and coming soon, producer Naoki Yoshida said during the Near Reincarnation X Final Fantasy 14 collaboration special live stream. After talking about how Square Enix's American marketing team was upset with Yoshida for saying development on Final Fantasy 16 is quote-unquote in the final stretch during a recent interview, the following conversation between Yoshida and Nier series producer Yosuke Saito ensued. Yoshida said, 
uh, we said next time we would release information is in the spring. And I'm being told, so when exactly is spring to you? Uh, Saito. After all, the near reincarnation collaboration with Final Fantasy XIV is supposed to be in the early summer. And that's already next week. Right now we're in between spring and early summer. Yoshida. No, no. The trailer is already complete, but it was delayed for various reasons. I think it'll come out soon. Saito. I've seen some footage as well. I was really impressed with by what you guys have made. Yoshida. You were practically chuckling by how absurdly well made it is. That being said, the development team has put in a tremendous effort. From this point, we fervently, we're fervently playing through it, polishing it and debugging and thoroughly optimizing. So I think we're going to take a little longer there. It's already come together considerably. I feel like we should spend a little more time in that area. And please, if any of those developers happen to be listening to this, I speak for all JRPG fans when I say, take all the time you need to make it a gem. That's all we want. <laughs> uh, rolling on, Genshin Impact. Some news coming out of there. Back when the last Genshin Impact event schedule showed up, it offered general information about Spices of the West. Now there are more details about how it will work and some of the benefits people will get. This is a cooking event involving spices. Who'd have thought, right? <laughs> it will also involve interacting with Genshin Impact characters in the Serenitia pot oh i'm sorry wow the serenity pot okay that is a great name serenity anyway uh earning companionship experience with them things kick off may 14th 2022 as a reminder genshin impact spices from the west will be a serenity pot cooking event after why would they remind you they just told you that why would they remind you about that again After completing Tubby's Idle Teapot Talk and Realm Dispatch, you will be making seasonings and food for Nazafarin. Between May 14th to the 21st, 2022, people will seven fragrant seasons. I think it's I think it's supposed to say people will get seven fragrant seasonings recipes. Siliconera, you are slacking today. <laughs> These turn delicious cooked dishes into fragrant ones. By cooking them, you'll get a free Hero's Wits, Mora, Prima Gems, and Weapon Ascension materials. You'll also be able to earn a limited amount of companionship experience for Genshin Impact players. There are two sorts of limits on companionship experience for this Genshin Impact event. Due to extended Serenity Pot maintenance, people can't place or remove characters and items at the moment. If it ends during the event, people can place them there and feed them. However, based on the wording, it sounds like only people who are present in your realm will be able to sample and react to food and then get companionship experience. As a reminder, companionship increases characters' friendship levels. When the level goes up, it unlocks a new photo mode expression, stories, voice lines in their profiles, and, and such. If you max it out, you earn a name card. In addition to placing someone in the Serenity pot, the level can be increased by adventuring with characters in your party. And as a reminder, Genshin Impact is available for PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, PC, and mobile devices with a Switch version in development. And that will run again through May 14th through June 7th. In other MMO news, we kind of have an MMO block here at the end. Um, New Final Fantasy XIV emote will have players drinking tea. Square Enix has released a new Final Fantasy XIV emote through the Final Fantasy XIV online store. Players can now drink tea with the use of this new Final Fantasy XIV emote. It is available to purchase for $7. $7? Square Enix. Come on. 
$7 for an emote. Wow. Purchasing the emote will grant the player the ballroom etiquette, the tea item, which they can redeem on a single character. If a player wishes to have this emote on more than one character, they will need to purchase it again. Ugh. In addition, uh, Square Enix has released a short demonstration video which shows how the emote looks. And it's a cute emote. I would use it if it was $3. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't know. $7 for an emote? I've paid $7 for full-length video games before. I just, I don't know. I love Final Fantasy XIV, but their uh, their in-game shop stuff is really expensive. But yeah, that, that's, that's available now. If that is your thing, then by all means, go get it. You do you, boo-boo. You do you, boo-boo. War of the Visions Final Fantasy XIII crossover adds lightning, hope, and snow. Square Enix announced that Final Fantasy XIII characters will appear in War of the Visions Final Fantasy Brave Exvius from in Japan from May 14, 2022 to June 30, 2022. The game's 2.5-year anniversary presentation revealed the War of the Visions Final Fantasy XIII news. Lightning, Hope, and Snow will join the game as ultra-rare characters on commemorative banners. Lightning and Hope will appear on May 14th, and Snow will be getting his own separate banner on May 23rd. Additionally, Fang will also make a guest appearance in the Final Fantasy XIII events quest. A one-time 10-roll banner will let players obtain one guaranteed copy of Hope. Three new vision cards are also being added. They all depict Lightning, Hope, and Snow alongside chosen Eidolons Odin, Alexander, and Shiva. Square Enix also are giving players a free 10-roll summon daily for 15 days to celebrate the half anniversary. War of the Visions is also rerunning its Final Fantasy Tactics crossover from May 23rd to June 22nd. This time, it unlocks EX jobs for all six of the Final Fantasy Tactics characters, including Ramza, Agrius, Gafgarian, Mostadio, Orlando, and Delita. EX jobs in the War of the Visions further increase the level caps of the characters once they have reached level 99 and maxed out all of their jobs. They also unlock new skill boards to further enhance old skills alongside learning entirely new abilities. And War of the Visions Final Fantasy Brave XBS is available on mobile devices. And though the 13 event is Japan only for now, it is expected to hit the global version in the coming months like previous crossovers. And speaking of crossovers, here's one that we briefly mentioned earlier. The Final Fantasy 14 crossover begins in near reincarnation global version. People outside Japan won't have to wait long for the Final Fantasy XIV event in Near Reincarnation. It's actually live in the game immediately. This means Dark Knight, o- 063Y, Dragoon Noel, and White Mage Rion are all available, and so is the event story. We first learned the Final Fantasy XIV wouldn't be able... Oh, wow. This is another one that's like written... Not great. Sorry, let me try that again. We first learned that the Final Fantasy XIV crossover wouldn't be exclusive to Japan back in February 2022. At the time, it fell in the after May 2022 near reincarnation roadmap. When May 2022 began, it was confirmed that it would show up in the Japanese version on the 10th of May, and now it turns out it's available worldwide. So if that is your thing for that game, uh, near reincarnation is available on Android and Apple iOS devices. And yeah, so if, if you're a big Final Fantasy XIV fan and you want to see some of those characters in Near Reincarnation, now is your chance to go snag them. Go get that awesome looking Dark Knight. <laughs> the Final Fantasy XI just celebrated its 20th anniversary. That is wild to me. I started playing that game back on PS2 and it's been 20 years since it came out and I am starting to feel old. <laughs> I uh, 
I just hit level 99. Actually, I just hit max level last night in that game. So, yay! Uh, but yeah, so we have some news from them. Uh, Final Fantasy XI Mandragora Mania Madness offers a Moogle shirt. People can earn a Moogle shirt cosmetic in Final Fantasy XI thanks to the new Mandragora Mania Madness event. The new event is part of Square Enix's 20th anniversary celebrations for the MMO, and this shirt can be earned for free. Meanwhile, playing the new mini game will offer new rewards. Square Enix started by showing off the new Moogle shirt Final Fantasy XI players can equip. It's orange with black accents, and a Moogle head silhouette appears on the upper left on the front, and on the back there is a design covering the rear showing a full Moogle. To get it, people will need to go to Bastok Markets, Southern Sandoria, or Windows Waters, and all you need to do is talk to the Moogle standing there. No other requirements needed to be fulfilled to get the shirt. As for the minigame, Chacharoon is running the other part of the Mandragora Mania Madness in Final Fantasy XI. The Keykern will be at Bastok Markets, Southern Sandoria, and Windurst Waters, and if you go there, you can earn Mandy and trade them for stuff. I'm curious what the, all that is. I will check that out and report back. <laughs> uh, this isn't the only time the Mandragoras have been found in Final Fantasy XI events. They are also selling a plush toy, which leads me to... Final Fantasy XI Mandragora mug and plush merchandise on the way. The latest round of Final Fantasy XI merchandise in Japan honors the Mandragora. The enemy appears in multiple Final Fantasy games, like Final Fantasy XIV, and tends to look about the same each time. The latest items are a mug and a plush toy. The mug will first appear on October 8th, 2022, and the plush will follow on November 27th, 2022. The Final Fantasy XI Mandragora mug will cost about $25, and each one has the character's face on the front Inside are the two leaves that appear on the top of the head. This means that if the cup is positioned just right, you would see it as it appears in game. The back of the mug has the Vanadale logo with a Mandragora in the middle. As for the plush, it's about 240 millimeters tall and it'll be run you about $34. It is adorable. <laughs> uh, when it comes to merchandise, the Mandragora will be joined by some other familiar faces from Final Fantasy XI. There will also be a plush goblin which, oh my goodness, looks adorable. I want the goblin. <laughs> uh, and Shantoto toys. And Shantoto looks adorable as well. She's a little Tarotaro, little mini person. Uh, like the Mandragora, both are sitting and will appear uh, on November 27th, 2022. The Shantoto is $39, and the goblin is slightly more expensive at $49. However, the goblin does come with a removable backpack. Yeah, Final Fantasy XI is available on PC. It is no longer on consoles anymore, but it's still a PC game for people who want to go back and just get a big whiff of that nostalgia. It's it's wonderful. It's been a great time playing through it again. And to kind of wrap up the news section here before I get into a correspondence that we have from a listener, um, Square Enix trademarked Emberstoria and registered some domain names. So they filed a trademark for Emberstoria Overwrite on April 28th in Japan. And uh, it was made public as of today, as of recording this, so May 11th. Um, the domain names Emberstoria.com and Emberstoria.net were also registered by the company. Yet they have not announced a game, manga, or any form of media with that title. So cross your fingers that maybe this is a new JRPG IP and we'll get something to sink our teeth into. That would be cool. That would be very cool. Hopefully it's not a mobile game. No offense to mobile games. I don't want another mobile game. 
Oh man. So we have a listener correspondence. Um, I asked a listener of the show, Adam, uh, and a friend of the show, if he could give me the, his opening thoughts on Euden Chronicles rising, because he picked it up and that game has just recently released in the past couple of days. So I just wanted to kind of his, uh, his thoughts on the opening and what he thought, you know, of the, of the beginning and, and things like that. So here is what Adam wrote me. He says, Euden Chronicles is a 2.5D side-scrolling action RPG set in the same world as Euden Chronicle 100 Heroes. You play the main role as CJ, a young girl whom is following the same footpaths as her parents being a relic hunter and initially comes into an area to participate in her family tradition. After an earthquake, she helps the townsfolk to rebuild the town through town building and crafting and clearing out monsters from different dungeons. The gameplay is simplistic but fun, reminding me of Mega Man crossed with early mana titles with a jump, attack, and special button, and no dodge or block mechanic, with the jump being the only way to avoid damage. The combat did feel like it was on rails, with movement being forward, backwards, up, and down, and the story is typical JRPG feel with quests and such as rescuing a cat and helping an old man find some food to battling a sentient tree monster in the forest dungeon. The graphics were quite charming and engaging, and the frame rate, combat, and cutscenes remained constant and fluid throughout the two hours I've spent with the game. Uh, with item collection being as simple as running over it and an automatic stat upgrade system with leveling up. Save points in dungeons were generous to those who can only play the game in bursts, and this was an experience that I definitely plan to continue in the near future and provides me with hope for 100 Heroes being released in 2023. I appreciate you writing that in, Adam. And that, man, so I'm going to have to check this game out. It's on my wish list. Um, I was going to wait for a sale, but I don't know. It sounds pretty cool. I might have to check that out. Uh, and if listeners, please, if you have ch- tried out uh, Ewan and Chronicles Rising and you have thoughts or differing thoughts, uh, please, you know, send them in and uh, let me know. I would love to hear from you guys. Um, and speaking of, let's go ahead and get, that's about all that we've got this week. So let's go ahead and get into the plugs, shall we? If you would like to send us anything uh, and chat with us, you can uh, head to facebook.com slash the JRPG report. And I'm always over there checking. I don't, uh, I try to post over there. I'm more active posting on Twitter, but I do try to post over there on Facebook. And uh, I do respond to people when they message me or comment on things. I always try to be very responsive to, uh, to listeners. Um, and if you would, if Twitter is more of your thing, you can find the show at JRPG report and you can find me at super nerd Dalton. Um, I can't always promise that my personal page will be as um, safe for work. We'll say, uh, language-wise and things as the JRPG report page, but I keep the JRPG report page clean, squeaky clean. It is strictly for gaming news. Um, and if you would like to support the show, uh, it would mean a lot to me, um, you know, uh, being furloughed or not for not even furloughed being just like out of work because of the, the pandemic and things like that. Uh, this like the Patreon money literally helps me keep the lights on. <laughs> and and I, I do appreciate everybody who supports the show. Um, it's patreon.com slash the JRPG report and any of the tiers that you join will give you access to the new Patreon discord channel where we've been having some good chats about gaming music um, and just gaming in general. Some persona chats been going on and I've been convinced to dive into trails in the sky SC uh, and not wait to do it on the steam machine. So that's been, it's been fun playing around on that. But yeah, um, come join the Patreon. It would mean, like I said, it would mean a lot. I, the, the support, uh, 
I, I really, I really do appreciate it. And I would like to give a shout out to our patrons here at the end, uh, with, uh, Kim C, Jake W, Jordan K, Tara, Kularian, and Taylor F. You guys are awesome. And I appreciate each and every one of you. I appreciate all of you listeners. Don't, don't get me wrong, but the, the extra support really goes a long way. And I do, it does mean a lot. Um, and if you'd like to hear me talking about uh, other other types of stuff other than JRPG report um, type things, you can find me at the Steam Machine Podcast. Uh, that's a PC gaming podcast that I do with two buddies of mine trying to play through my um, massive PC gaming backlog. Um, we're going to be playing a Half-Life soon, but that's not JRPG related, so I won't get into that. But uh, we, if you, you know, if you would like to hear more of my voice, if for some reason you that tickles your fancy you check me out on the steam machine podcast and i do believe that about does it for this episode of the jrpg report i appreciate each and every one of you for joining me for another week and sticking with me through this transition of hosts and everything um you all rock and i can't think of a better way to end this than saying why don't you all uh you know get out there and level up